Now, we've been in a series called Root Killers, and, uh, you know, so last week I talked to you about anxiety, and this week I'm going to be talking, kind of taking it a little bit deeper on the same thing, because although anxiety is a root, I think there's a root to anxiety, if that makes sense. I think that, you know, and really in this series, what we've been talking about is really guarding our heart. Proverbs 4, verse 23 tells us, it says that we need to pay attention to our heart, that inner part of us that's happening. And it's really uh, the part where God deals with us. And, it, and, and so the whole idea behind this series is that we need to pay attention to our heart because the Bible there in Proverbs 4 tells us that the condition of our heart actually determines how our life's going to shake out. It's not just external things, it's actually internal things. And even last week, when I was sharing with you about anxiety, it's not about external situations that create anxiety. Anxiety actually starts inside of us. And the truth is this, is that if we can quiet the storm within, the storm without won't be a problem. Because many times that storm, those, that, that, those things, that, that anxiousness in our heart is what really bothers us. It's what really begins to affect our heart. Why? Because I've been through some tough things, but been able to walk right through it. You know, the Bible talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of you know the story of them? It says that they were three Hebrew boys, and you know, I won't go into all the story, but they refused to bow to uh, the king at the time, and he said, okay, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. He heats it up. The guys who throw them in there drop dead because of the heat, and the Bible says they walked around in the fire. How many of you know that that might make you a little anxious? And yet, right in the middle of that, the Bible says that they looked in and they threw three men in and there were four men walking around, which is pretty impressive. But they realized, and even when they came out, the thing that they said was that there wasn't a hair singed on their head and they didn't even have the smell of smoke. How many of you ever, like, burned some stuff in the yard? Like, you may not even be by the fire. You might be sitting up on the porch looking at the fire and you still smell like smoke and you weren't even close to it. And that's a perfect, I think, example for us is that we can walk through a trial, a circumstance, a situation, and it doesn't have to affect us. Why? Because the Bible says that their faith was fixed that said, our God will deliver us from even this. I mean, if there was ever a moment, their their lives were literally being threatened, and yet they were able to walk right through it and come out on the other side glorifying God and to the point where all those who saw it said that your God has to be God. Like there's no other explanation. that Your God, the God that you serve, the God of Israel, has to be the one true God. And it changed the nation. Why? Because somebody was willing to quiet a storm on the inside of them. And it changed the externals. And many times I believe that we can change the circumstances that we faced simply if we'll take care of our heart. And we'll pay attention to these things in these areas of our lives. And so that's what, kind of what we've been sharing. And so I shared with you kind of the, the, I guess, the catalyst of this series was simply a story that I'd heard about uh, a couple sequoia trees in Yellowstone National Park. They're these massive, huge sequoia. They're called the Great Sequoias. I showed you some pictures in week one of it. And, um, you know, but they had fell. And so what they couldn't figure out was why they had fallen because two of them had fell really close together. And long story short, they found out that it was foot traffic, that people walking around taking pictures, driving cars, all those kinds of things, had actually compressed the soil, which actually had killed the roots of the tree. So the tree was still alive. The roots died. And see, I believe that many times as Christians that we may even be seemingly good in our walk with the Lord and our faith and our trust in Him. And the reality is, is that our root system is actually being compromised and it's only a matter of time until we fall. But if we'll take care of our roots, 
In other words, the unseen stuff. So many times we try to deal with the externals. You know, like, well, I'm trying to just deal with my anger. Yeah, but that anger is stemming from something. Anger is not the issue. That's the result, right? There, there's tension in your life. I mean, there's things going on, and, and we think, well, if I deal with this external stuff, that takes care of the problem. And the truth is, is that the root is still there. And so this whole series is talking about the roots that create problems. Because if you fix the roots, you'll fix the fruit. That's the way it works. And so we've been sharing about these over the last couple of weeks. And so, uh, you know, I was sharing with you last week, as I said, about anxiety, about just being anxious, being worried, being stressed out. And it's so easy in, in the days in which we live to live that way and to just think that's normal. It's not what God intended for us. Jesus did not die so that we could live stressed out lives, freaked out lives. He died so that what? So that we could have peace, that we could have joy. And that's the life that Jesus came so that we could have. And so it's important that we understand this. And so, but even just as a plant or a tree or anything else, even these great sequoias, I mean, they're massive. They're huge, just majestic trees, for lack of a better way. How many of you realize that a tree is not self-sufficient? They don't have everything within themselves to thrive. Quite the opposite. What? They need sun. They need water. They, they have these external sources that they need in which to live. And, and you know what? So do we. We in and of ourselves will never be enough. Now, we may be saved. We may be going to heaven. We may love Jesus. We may come to church. But we can become very self-dependent, very self-reliant. And, and, and I believe that this is very easy to do. If we're not careful, and this is where I believe that anxiety is actually the root of anxiety is actually we think we have to fix it. So anxiety is actually not the root. It's actually deeper than that is that we now take on the weight and the responsibility for us. And this is not the way God has designed us. It's really not. And so, you know, so... I believe that that, the, that that root comes from self-reliance, but the way the Bible tells us to live is actually a life of humility or surrender. In other words, God, I am trusting in you. Like, I don't have to figure it out, and I don't have to fix it. I just have to be obedient to you. I have to hear from you, find out what you're telling me about any given situation in my life. And I've had God speak to me about stuff that just totally did not matter, but that was frustrating me. And I've also had God speak to me in moments where it was really crucial. See, that God is is really concerned and and intimately involved with our day-to-day life. Even in the things that we think, well, this is too stupid for God to care about. I can give you stories where God gave me wisdom on things that I'm like, I don't even know why you would tell me that. I'm glad you did because it fixed my problem. But it seems so insignificant to me, and yet God would still speak in that moment. And so, you know, so last week we were talking about anxiety. And and so I want to share a thought with you. And then we're going to get into kind of the the meat of the message this morning. But it's a quote that I got from uh, a gentleman. But he says, before you can put yourself humbly under God's mighty hand, you have to put your anxiety confidently in God's mighty hand. So before we can really humble ourselves before God, we have to what? 
do what we talked about last week. We have to put our cares and give them to him. The Passion Translation says, lay them down and leave them there. Leave them there. Don't pick them back up. Sometimes we do that. We pray and we're like, God, help me. And then we pick it back up like we got to go fix it now. He says, no, just trust me. Trust me in this moment. And so, you know, we see this in the book of Genesis in the very beginning. The first attack that Satan put upon Adam and Eve was actually an attack of control. Last week I told you that we were all control freaks because guess what we are? Every single one of us. We all want to be in control of our own lives. We all want to be in control of of what's happening. And we, we take on that and we see that with Adam and Eve. Because God had given them an instruction. He said, look, you can eat of all the trees of the garden except for the one of the, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet the serpent comes in and, and he begins to talk to Eve and he says, no, God doesn't want you to know everything that he knows. That's why he doesn't want you to eat that. And if you'll eat that, you'll understand things just like God. In other words, what he was saying was, Eve, stop trusting God and start trusting in yourself. Because you know better than God. That's really, I mean, it's really what he was doing. And out of that became what we call the fall of man. Sin entered the human race. It was this trust yourself more than trust God. And we still deal with this. Every single one of us deal with this every day. We have to make choices. Am I going to trust God in this circumstance? Am I going to trust God in this relationship? Am I going to trust God in the, in the moments where I don't always understand things? Am I going to just walk and just trust God even when I don't have understanding? I mean, that is a definition of faith is that I continue to walk trusting God even when I don't have all the answers. I wish I always had all the answers, but I don't always have them. You won't always have them. But that doesn't mean that we should pull back So I just keep on trusting. I keep on trusting in the Lord. See, I believe that there's a connection between really living a life of humility, which that word again is surrender. It actually means to put yourself under the authority of another. That's what the word humble means. You know, it's like when a, hopefully none of you have ever experienced this, but when a police officer would say, hey, put your hands up, and you put your hands up. Why? Because you're putting yourself under their authority. Right? That, that's what, the, what it actually means to humble. It means to, to come up underneath the authority of someone else. And this is the life that we are to live. And so there's a connection between being humble and casting all that anxiety onto the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, it says there's six things that the Lord hates and indeed seven that are repulsive to him. We're just going to read the very first one. But he says, a proud look or the attitude that makes oneself overestimate oneself and discount others. It's an attitude that exalts. It's an attitude that that thinks better or or maybe we think we're smarter than we really are. Now, I'm not saying that we're dumb, but I'm saying that God is wiser than we are. And it's actually pride to stand up and say, I don't agree with God. Because what you're saying is that I know better for me than him. Now, that may play out in many different areas of our lives. But yet, the Bible here says is that God hates it when what? We walk in pride. Not because he hates pride, but because he hates the effects that it has in our life. Because pride is destructive. 
Proverbs 16, verse 18 through 20, it says, first pride, then the crash. This is out of the message translation. It says, the bigger the ego, the harder the fall. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. It says, it's better to live humbly among the poor than to live it up among the rich and the famous. It says, it pays to take life seriously. It says, things will work out when you trust in God. Things will work out when you trust in God. And here, many times we say that, that you know, we, we actually misquote this verse because it says that pride comes before a fall, but that's actually not what Scripture says. It says pride comes before destruction and haughtiness. Arrogance comes before a fall. But it says that pride actually precedes destruction. I don't know about you, but I don't want to sign up for destruction in my life. So how do I keep destruction from coming? I have to choose to put myself under, the, under God's authority. It's a requirement. And so, you know, we, we see this throughout Scripture. Is that if we're going to really walk in the fullness of the life, Jesus said this in John 10, 10. He said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, I have come so that you would have life to its fullest potential. That's what Jesus said, the life that we could live. Life to its fullest potential. If we're going to live that kind of life, we're going to have to watch our heart and make sure that what? That we're actually surrendered under the mighty hand of God is what one translation says. Is that God, I am not in charge. The Bible says that we have been bought with a price, that we are no longer our own, but we've been bought with the blood of Christ. Well, we actually need to live that way. Like not just in word, but actually in our actions. I mean, and really surrendering to God, saying, God, should I take this job? Should I go to this school? Should, you know, what about this and what about that? And really asking the Lord. I mean, it makes all the difference. It really does. Matthew chapter 23, verse 12 says this. He says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, I've taught this many times and, and I, I've looked at this many times and, and you know, you, you hear things and statements made like this, like, oh, you better be careful, of course, because the Lord will humble you. How many of you have ever heard that? The Lord will humble you. All right, well, go show me that from Scripture. Because I've yet to actually find a Scripture that says that the Lord will humble you. The Lord will let you walk in pride which will lead to destruction, which might bring about some realization of lack in our life, yes. But God doesn't bring destruction. Here it says that those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Well, you know, destruction kind of has a way of doing that. But here it says that those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I'm going to show you this in another scripture here in a few minutes, but the word exalts here simply means to lift up or to elevate it means to build up. And what happens is that when pride gets into our heart, you know, actually, you know, pride was actually the first sin. You go look in the book of Isaiah and it says that Satan was, was an angel in heaven. And it says that he was thrown from heaven because pride had been found in him. And you can go read it. It says that he, he looked at the throne of God and says, I will exalt he has these statements, I will, I will, and all these things. And it says that pride was found in him. It's actually what got him kicked out of heaven. That was actually the first sin that we know of, was actually pride. 
And we can default to that. And we, many of us would say, well, I'm not prideful. Yeah, but let me ask you the question. But do you rely on yourself? Do you trust? And look, I'll just be honest with you. This is an area for me that I have to watch. Because I think I can handle my business. I think I can take care of myself. I think that, that you know, I mean, in situations, many times. And so I have to be very aware that I don't take the responsibility for me. I have to make sure that I'm asking for the Lord's input in situations and circumstances in my life. Because it's real easy, just my personality, you can say it, I'm a driver, whatever, that I just kind of have a direction and go. Well, sometimes I need to stop and ask the Lord. And there have been times where even in that situation where I have a plan and I'm like, I know this will work. And then I pray about it and the Lord says, yeah, but you could do it like this. I'm like, that's a lot easier. That's a whole lot easier. I think I'm going to go with your plan because my plan was going to be a lot of hard work. Me trusting myself and the way, what I could figure out and what I could work out and all these things versus just asking the Lord to help me. And it's been amazing to me to see the times that I would, you know, I mean, many times it's like, I'll, I'll have a plan. I want to go to the Lord and be like, Lord, bless my plan, bless my plan, bless my plan, bless what I want to do, as opposed to saying, Lord, will you bless this? Will you bless my plan? In other words, God, I have a plan, but I'll scrap it if you tell me to. If this isn't what you want, it's not what I want. And so it's even bringing those areas of my life in and just saying, God, I want to make sure that you're with me. You know, Moses, God told Moses, he says, look, you can go into the promised land, but I'm not going. And yet Moses had this, this just this cry of his heart, which te- speaks so much to his heart. He says, God, if you don't go, I'm not going anywhere. I would rather stay out here in the desert with you than to go into the promised land without you. Why? Because Moses was actually dependent upon the Lord. He didn't just want the blessing. He wanted him. See, this is an area of our life that greatly affects our personal relationship directly with God. Why? Because when we stay dependent on him, it keeps that connection. It's like that prayer when you pray, and I believe it's a prayer that the Lord loves, which is, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need your help because I'm not enough by myself. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not sharp enough to do everything in front of me. See, some of you may even have a degree of false humility. And this is something we all deal with, so it's not just a select few of us have this, where we say and we act outwardly like we really trust the Lord. So we say the right things, we, all this, but on the inside of us, no, we're really trusting ourselves. We're our backup plan. And we can say things, but we know in our heart, even as we're saying them, that that's not really the attitude of our heart. Well, that's pride. That's this self-reliance that we're talking about. See, pride promotes self-sufficiency rather than God's sufficiency. And that's what we see in the Garden of Eden. Is that Adam and Eve, they chose to trust themselves more than to trust God. And, and we can... And we can do that. I mean, we have attitudes like, well, I'll just do it my way. I can do it myself. I don't need anybody else. You need God. 
You and God can do the impossible. You and everybody without God, it's going to be a mess. I mean, but we have to live in this continual place of, God, I need your help today. Like, just for today, we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, but for today, God, I know. I need you today. And we're supposed to live in this place. Romans 12, 3 says this. It says, because of the privilege and the authority that God has given me, he says, I give each of you this warning. Now, this is the apostles. He's given us a warning. And so when they say, hey, y'all need to pay attention to this, I think we ought to pay attention to it. He says, don't think you are better than you really are. Now, this is, and I'm going to share this with you. This is not in the sense of inferiority. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's saying is to have a proper perspective on who you are. So don't get into condemnation and be like, oh, well, I'm just a no good sinner. Well, your no good sinner got bought back and redeemed. And the Bible says that today you're the righteousness of God in Christ. So that ought to give you a little bit of boldness. The Bible says that we can go into the throne room of God and ask anything that we have need of and he would hear our prayer. And it's not just, oh, God, if you could, please, maybe kind of think about me or just think about me today. No, the Bible says we're ever present on his mind. So I'm not saying it in that sense, but he says, don't think that you are better than you really are. In other words, you know, the hardest person to be honest with is yourself, right? And many times we're, we're not. And he goes on, he says, be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith that God has given us. Measure yourself according to God's word. Be honest. And, you know, around here we talk about everybody has a next spiritual step. What's your next step? And the truth is that if you don't evaluate yourself, you have no idea what your next step is. It may be to get in a group. I mean, we're wrapping up summer groups right now, but, you know, here in September we're going to be kicking groups up. You may be here and you say, man, I really need to get more disciplined in my Bible reading. Go get the YouVersion Bible app. There are thousands of reading plans, thousands of them. You can do, you're like, well, I don't, I'm not a big reader. You can hit play and listen to it. That may be your next step. That, why? Because putting God's word into our heart makes a huge difference. You're like, well, I don't, I don't like doing that. So are you going to trust your own wisdom or are you going to trust the wisdom of the word of God? I want to trust the wisdom of the word of God. The Apostle Paul shares this thought with us, and and I think it's so powerful. In 1 Corinthians uh, 15, verse 10, he says, and he's talking about and really kind of giving his qualifications, which if anybody was qualified, it was the Apostle Paul. really was. I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, he had all these, in our modern-day verbiage, he had all these degrees that said all these things, but yet he says, whatever I am now, it is because God poured out his special favor or his grace on me And I love this part, and not without results. And not without results. When we surrender and we come under the authority of God, there are going to be results in our life. And even we will say, I didn't do that. Like, man, God has been good to me. God's grace has been so amazing in my life. I mean, I I appreciate it when people say things like, hey, that was a, 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 man, that, that really touched me today, that sermon. I failed speech three times in college. 
So, yeah, that's what my professor said. Great job, you failed again, you know. <laughs> and yet every time I get up to speak, you know what I'm, what I'm aware of? Is my inability to do it. Not in a, not in a, oh, I can't do this kind of way. Not in a, because used to, I would get nervous and I'd get all freaked out and I would have all these things. And the truth is, I was nervous because I was thinking I had to do it. Like, what am I going to tell people that's going to help them? I don't have any clue. And finally it clicked. Like, I, all I have to do is say what God tells me to say. And if I just do that, we're going to be all right. And so, you know, and so as it says here is that there are results, that God's grace will bring about results in our life. Now, I want you to catch this next part. Paul says, for I have worked harder than any other of the apostles. So there's, a, there's still a part that we have to play. Yes, it's God's grace in our life. But we cooperate with that grace. It produces results. And he goes on, he says, Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. It was God working all along. And see, and the same is true for every one of us, is that, you know, God's grace is very simply his ability in our life. So every day when we say, God, I need your grace, what you're actually saying is, God, I need your ability to work in me today. And I can't tell you how many times that I've prayed in circumstances or situations or whatever it may have been, and I'm praying and the Lord just gives me one little thing, and it's like all of a sudden that'll work. Like I've been worried and trying to figure it out and do all these things and do, you know, and and it's amazing to me when I'll just stop and just say, God, I need to invite you into this moment because this moment is weighing heavy on me. And this may even be in the workplace or the work environment. I mean, I... I've seen God do it, not just in the church, because sometimes I know sometimes people can be like, oh, well, you're just a preacher. What do you know? I've ran businesses, like my own businesses. I've had the Lord speak to me and give me wisdom on how to go, or even who to go talk to, who to call, who to, I mean, different things, even in, in, if you want to call it this, in the marketplace. God's given me favor at the right place, at the right time, with the right person. And I've seen it work. I've seen God work in my life, giving me wisdom for a moment. And all of a sudden, it's like I could just change this little thing and that would change everything. And it does. Well, where did that come from? It came from the invitation of inviting God into that moment. It's not because I was that smart. Of course, people look at you and you're like, oh, Man, how'd you do that? That's, that's amazing. And, and sometimes we can listen to our own press a little too much. You can get in trouble doing that. We, we got to stay humble. We got to stay before the Lord and not trusting in ourselves, but trusting in him. Now, I want to give you a, a quote, and I, I think that it's, it, it speaks to both sides of what I just shared a moment ago, is that recognition of our worth brings confidence. In other words, understanding who we are in Christ, that will bring confidence into our life. I'm not just some pitiful case that God's just having compassion on, although there's a degree of truth in that, but I'm no longer that pitiful case. I was that pitiful case. But now the Bible says that I have been transformed into the likeness of my Savior. And that's true for you. 
So recognition of our worth brings confidence, but recognition of our lack will bring humility. Our worth doesn't change. It's fixed. God said that you are my beloved child. That's what the word of God tells us. So our worth never changes. But there are areas of our life where we need God to work in. Paul talked about it, and he talked about that there was a thorn in his flesh, and a lot of people have debated what the thorn in the flesh was. But nobody really knows. There you go. The Bible does speak. It says that it was a messenger from Satan, but people want to debate what it was. Like, what was Paul's sin? The Bible says it was a messenger from Satan sent to buffet him or to beat him. And yet, what was, and so he said, I prayed three times that God would take it away from me. And the response every time was, my grace is enough for you, Paul. In your weakness, you're going to find some strength. See, and so many times what happens for us is that we think, man, if, if I just keep working, if I just keep doing, if I just keep, I'm going to get this thing figured out. And it's when we re- come to the place of recognizing that we lack the strength that we need to do what God has called us to do, that then we can, what, step into his strength. The strength was never in us to begin with. It was always relying upon the Lord. So let me give you another example of this from Scriptures. It's in Luke 18, verse, starting in verse 9. There's an account where Jesus tells a story of a Pharisee and a tax collector, and they're coming to the church to pray. They're coming to the, the temple to pray. And so Jesus tells this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness, and they scorned everyone else. It says, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a despised tax collector. It says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed a prayer. And he said, I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. I am not like other people, cheaters and sinners and adulterers. And I'm certainly not like this tax collector. It says, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of my income. So we see this self-righteous Self-reliant Pharisee. Why? Because the Pharisees were completely dependent on all their rituals, on their dress, their outward um, rituals that they did, all these things. And basically, he's like, I'm perfect. God, I've I've crossed every T, I've dotted every I, and I thank you, I'm not like him. That kind of sounds like pride, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like he's pretty dependent on self, and yet the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even come to the altar. It says, and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. And he says, instead, he beat his chest in sorrow and says, O Lord, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. He says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, the only way to actually break self-reliance, pride in our life, is to humble ourselves. We have to choose to do that. Humility is a choice. It's a hard choice, but it's a choice that we have to make. And if we're going to break that in our life, that dependence on self, we're going to have to recognize that we need God. That's where that, that, when we recognize our lack, it produces humility. Why? It's saying, God, I need you in my life. Now, I don't just want you. I really actually need you too. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 through 7 says this. says, in the same way, the younger ones should willingly support the leadership of the elders. In every relationship, each of you must wrap around yourself the apron of a humble servant. One translation says it this way, that we are to clothe ourselves, like, a, put on, like think of it putting on a jacket. 
That's actually the, the, the physical picture that it gives us. Like taking a jacket and putting it on or a shirt. He says, choose to put on humility. Why? Because we're not naturally bent this way. Make the choice to put on humility. It goes on, it says, because God resists when you are proud, but he multiplies grace and favor when you are humble. It says, if you'll bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. Is that tough for anybody else? The timing? Sometimes I'm like, I pray, and I'm like, God, can I pray for this yesterday? Like, can, can we just rewind? I tend to not be a very patient person sometimes. My wife would probably say most of the time, but it says, leave the timing in his hand. God, I trust you. I don't have to have it all figured out, but I trust your timing, that your timing is perfect. He goes on and he says, pour all of your worries and your stress upon him and leave them there. For he tenderly cares for you. See, the humility that Peter is commanding us here, because it's actually not just a state. I mean, this is actually a direction. It's a command from the Apostle Peter who says, don't trust yourself. Trust God. Bring yourself under the authority of God and trust that he's got you. Why? Because you can confidently say that he cares for you. Cast all that worry, cast all that, like, God, I don't need to worry about this because this ain't actually my problem. It's actually your problem. I give it to you. It's a free gift. Take my problem. And I'm going to walk in the grace that you have for my life because I trust you. See, we've all got to be aware not to try. You know, last week I shared with you about, remember the donkey, like overloading the cart and the donkey's in the air hanging out and it's kicking his feet. I mean, remember what I'm talking about? And I asked, I said, how many of us probably look like that donkey? We're just kind of hanging out. I got all this, all this stuff. Let go of the cart. Trust God with it. See, we have to be aware to not try to carry that load that God wants us to bring to him. But we have to trust that he can be trusted. We have to.